Hello, welcome to Belong Church. I'm Pastor Kevin, and we're so happy that you're joining us today. And if this is your first time joining us, we're so glad that you're going to take this journey with us today. And I just want to tell you that a news alert for everyone who's been watching, and if you're new to this, this is a, it's a news alert that today's message, and I believe they all are, I, I have to say that, but today is actually a very life-changing message if you let it. But I'm just telling you up front, the, right out the gate, you need to concentrate it. You'll likely have to like make some intentionality and don't get lost in the, in the minutia of some things and say, oh, no, let the whole thing sink in. You may want to take notes. I, I would encourage you to take notes. So buckle up and here we go. If you will, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. And you may have heard this story, you may have known some of it, but we're going to go into a little bit of detail on this and look at some really cool things. And I love this message. So here we go. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert, and there the devil tempted him. So we talked about last week that you feel like you're surrounded and, and you're looking at all the different things that are coming against you and say, man, I'm trying to do all the right things and God, I'm trying to obey you and I just am trying to have this relationship and all of these things keep happening. When is enough enough? And it may look like you're surrounded, and, and I encourage you, if you didn't watch last week, to so go back and check it out. You can go find it on our YouTube or on our podcast, everywhere you would look for it. It's, it's there. But you're actually surrounded by God when you're having a relationship, and you may not see it like they didn't see it, but he's there for you. But Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. One translation says, for the devil to tempt him. But just before this, there was another event that took place. And if you're new to, to Christianity and the church and the Bible, let me just explain it. The people who translated it put it into chapters and verses so it's easy to find things. But where Matthew 3 goes into Matthew 4, there's not a break in what happened. So as we look in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, it shows us as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. So here, Jesus had started his ministry. He's 30 years old, and he's just stepping out to do what God has sent him to do. And, and the first thing that he's doing is going and getting baptized. And he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and Jesus saw the Holy Spirit of God coming down on him like a dove. Now, let me just put this in context for you. You may have seen someone get baptized. You may have been baptized yourself, but you certainly have got the image that someone's helping you, and you're holding them, and they go underwater, and you bring them back up, and, and they've been seeing this a lot because thousands had been going out to the wilderness to be baptized by John. But this time was different. This time, the Spirit of God descended out of heaven. And look at verse so. 17. It's like a voice, a megaphone from heaven. God, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Father, God in heaven is speaking. I'm sure the ground is shaking and the water is rippling and you just see all this craziness. And he says, this is my son and I love him. And I'm very pleased with him. 
Now, Jesus has given us an example for everything in our life, and we even see here that he was baptized, and that's a, a message to us, and that's not what our message today is about. But let me just encourage you, if you haven't taken that step, maybe you've accepted Christ, or maybe you're still just checking it out. You said the prayer, but you're still not sure of it all. Let me tell you, the next step would be to get water baptized. And I would encourage you to, to uh, text us, text the word baptism to 469-289-1114, and we'll get in touch with with you and we'll plan it out and it's a wonderful life-changing experience and you will be so happy that you did that. But now in Jesus' story, the next thing happens after being baptized, after God speaking from heaven and saying, this is my son and I love him, the next verse was the one we just looked at. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And he was tempted. See, the Spirit of God came down on Jesus as a man. Jesus came as God, but he came to live life, life like we do. So he came as a man, and he needed the Holy Spirit to lead him the same way that we, you and I, need the Holy Spirit to lead us. And this was the moment that the Holy Spirit of God began to lead Jesus. We saw it in verse 1. Continuing on in verse 2. After 40 days and 40 nights of going without eating, Jesus was fasting. And before you know it, we're going to be in August and we'll be doing 21 days of prayer. But in August we don't fast, but in January we do fast. But here Jesus is doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry. Can I say it like this? Jesus as a man was at a weak point. I can't go six hours without eating and I don't turn into a different person and I turn angry and I turn into, you know, my wife like, hey, do you need a Snickers bar or something? Do you need to eat? Do you need just some time alone? And Jesus went for 40 days and 40 nights without eating and he was at this weak point and it was at that weak point, verse 3, the tempter came. See, the tempter didn't come on day one or day two. He waited till Jesus was at his weakest point. And what did he tempt him with? If you are, look at this, if you are, he's putting a condition. He's trying to make Jesus have to rise up and prove. And, and, and he's appealing to the ego that is in man. Isn't that just like me and you? Someone will push our buttons and try and get us to say, well, if you really can do, if you really are this, and you need to, and they'll try and put the conditions on us. And he says, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. After all, you're hungry, Jesus. And really, I mean, if you're the son of God, then you can do anything. He could have. But he's trying to dictate the terms and how Jesus takes his neck. Instead of Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit, he's trying to get him to insert himself in there and to get him to walk away from the Holy Spirit leading him to letting the devil lead him. But isn't that just like you and I? We'll, we'll be faced with these things, and it's like, well, if, if this is really true, then I should... And you get caught in this thing, but look at what Jesus said in verse 4. 
Jesus replied with the word. This is why it's so important to read the word of God. Reading the one-year Bible is the best way. And if you don't have our app, you can go to any of the places, the Google store, the Apple store, and you could just look for Belong Church. It's right there. And one of the things on there is the one-year Bible. So every day you can pick it up and it's automatically there. It's so easy and laid out there for you. But it's so important for you to understand the word of God and what the word of God says. So you can say like Jesus did, replying, it is written, man must not live only on bread. He lives on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he didn't try and argue with the devil. He didn't try and get into this battering back and forth. He didn't succumb to the temptation. He replied with the word of God. Moving on. Then the devil took him to a place. Now, Jesus replied with the word of God. I want you to see that. He, Jesus replied, it is written. Okay. Then the devil took the, Jesus to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And verse 6 says, if you are, again, he's with that, trying to appeal to his ego. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Now, the devil's using Jesus's words back at him where Jesus says it is written. And now the devil, believe it or not, it knows the Bible. And he's quoting the scripture back and he goes, for it is written, the Lord will command his angels to take good care of you and they will lift you up in their hands and then you won't even trip over a stone. Can I tell you? That's a real scripture. Jesus wasn't having it. He wasn't being appealed to his ego. And he wasn't letting the devil trip him up with quoting scriptures to him. Verse 7 he goes, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God or put him to the test. Verse 8, finally, the devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Again, he's trying to appeal to his ego. Verse 9, if you... And here we go. He's always trying to appeal to that ego that, hey, 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 maybe I didn't get you the first time. Maybe I didn't get you the second time. Maybe the third time's going to work. And it's just like that with us. We can say no to the devil one day, and the next day he's going to come back. He's going to try again. He's going to try again. He's going to keep trying to press that button on you and on me. He did it also to Jesus. But look at the next thing. If you will bow down, and worship me. I will give you all of this. Now I have to put a pause right here and kind of put this into context. And if you go back on our YouTube to the very, very, very beginning, you'll see a message that I preached when we were still at the North Church. And I went into great detail, detail on this. But Jesus would not be tempted with something that the devil didn't have. If I offer you to give you a million dollars, you know I don't have a million dollars. You're not tempted to do anything that I'm asking you to do. The devil actually had something to give back to Jesus, and I'm going to leave that as a teaser. You should go watch it. It's pretty cool. Maybe I'll do it again here. But he's giving him this option. Hey, I'm going to give you a way to redeem back what was stolen at creation. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan. And he again quotes the word of God. Worship the Lord your God, and he's the only one you should serve. And verse 11, the devil left Jesus, and angels came and took care of him, and they, he got something to eat. I bet it was a big steak. It's probably a ribeye. And, I mean, he's just having a grand old time, and he passed the test. But I, I put all of this into context here for several of the points I've made, but can I go back to verse 10? 
I want you to look at what Jesus said. When he said, get away from me, it is written, worship the Lord your God. See, the devil's saying, hey, worship this over here. Again, trying to get him to move away from being led by the Holy Spirit. Just like he tries for you, he tries for me. Jesus replied, worship the Lord your God. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. But what's interesting is if you go to Deuteronomy 6.13, it doesn't say the literal word. It says you shall fear only the Lord your God. And you shall worship him and swear by his name. So it, it follows through, and this is where it's going to get a little deep, and you're going to be all right. If you're taking notes, just take time. Maybe you have to watch this a couple of times to get it. But look at this. The word that Jesus is quoting, and Jesus switched for worship, it is literally the word, um, it, it, yes, if we can go to that screen with the word, it's the H3, 33, that's the actual Greek word, uh, sorry, Hebrew word, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, you can do your own guessing on what it is, but it, it means to fear, and that's what it is, but it also means not just a fear, I mean, they're just trying to put all of these words in how we would translate it, but it means awesome, it means awesome acts, it means reverence, it means showing reverence, it means terrifying, can I tell you, when God shows up, Sometimes it is terrifying. See, Jesus exchanged that word fear, that exact word. So I'm not twisting anything. I looked at that exact word. Jesus is translating that and he goes, worship. But can I tell you, in the NIRV, they actually have it right. That's one of the reasons I love the NIRV. They say, worship the Lord your God. And he's the only one. You, but it's still that same exact word. Can I tell you, when God shows up in your, in your bedroom or anywhere around you, if, if an angel shows up, if Jesus walked in, it would be terrifying. In fact, every time an angel shows up, you see it in Scripture, the first words out of their mouth uses this exact word, say, hey, fear not, hold on, don't be afraid. Or Can I say it like this? They're even saying, hey, don't worship me. Man, you may be having this awesome fear and trembling and like, ah, and you're sucking rug. But hey, this isn't about me. I'm just the messenger. When Jesus shows up, when God shows up, there's a holy reverence that is there. But Jesus turned that holy reverence and says it's worship. Stay with me. Acts chapter 9. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was Saul, and he persecuted the Christians. And he's going now to another church, approaching Damascus to try and terrorize them and go kill some people that are Christians, and he's trying to stomp out the church. On his journey, he approaches Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. All of a sudden, bam! You know, I don't know if it's lightning, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, he fell to the ground, verse 4, and, and he heard a voice speak to him, saying, Saul, Saul. Now, he blinded. He can't see nothing. He says, Saul, why are you opposing me? And I want you to see, when God shows up, it's terrifying. Look at what he said. He's going to persecute the church. Look what he says. Who are you, Lord? 
he recognized someone way higher than him would just smacked him upside the head and blinded him and all this stuff that he's now in this reverence place of going, who, who are you, Lord? And, you know, he's like, okay, I surrender. The next part of that, the rest of that verse says, but I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're opposing. Can I tell you, there's a holiness, there's a reverence, there's an awesomeness of the power and the presence of God. And when it shows up, but it's about worshiping and causing worship to come out of our heart, not to be afraid, but to understand who he is. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 34, and I love, this is one of my favorite Psalms. And when I was in Christian high school, we had to memorize a chapter every month. And this is one of them. And this was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed it. Reading out of the NIRV, it says, I will thank the Lord at all times, and my, pray, my lips shall always, will always praise him. I want to say it the way I learned it in the New King James. It's just wrote inside of me. Verse 2, I will find glory in knowing the Lord, and let those who are hurting near me be joyful. Let them hear me. And be joyful. Can I tell you that we should find our glory in knowing, having a knowing God relationship. And let those that are hurting hear me talking and giving my praise. And knowing my glory goes to you, God. And this was a good day. And God, I'm giving it to you. It was a bad day, God. And I'm giving it to you and everything. And let those who are hurting hear it and let it change their day. And not only that, we jump to the next one a little bit early, but, but join me in giving glory. See, he's finding people who are hurting, that they hear him, and they become joyful. And he goes, hey, you can come along with me in giving glory to God. Continues on. Let us honor him together. See, that's the purpose we all should be doing. That, hey, man, I'm giving glory to God, whether it's a good day or whether it's a bad day, whether it's a tough day, whether I, it's just the most amazing day. And those around me that are hurting, their day is changed because of God's glory in my life. Continues on in verse 4. I looked to the Lord and he answered me and he saved me from everything I was afraid of. That's so amazing, so awesome, and I just love that imagery. Again, looking back to last week, we have things that scare us and we're afraid of. Hey, look to God. He will answer you, and he will save you from everything that you're also afraid of. Verse 5, those who look to him have joyful faces. When you have this relationship with God, when, when you give and you surrender, and you stop doing it on your own, you say, God, I'm going to let you tell me how to live my life. You have a joyful face. And you're never covered with shame. See, when you come to God, he's not sitting there going, you're this, and he's shaking a finger, and he's shaming you. No, he never does that. He wraps his arms of love around you. Verse 6, this poor man called out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord stands guard around those who have respect and for him, and he saves him. And again, imagery, verse 8, taste and see, try it out. Hey, if we're sitting at a dinner, and I've tried something you haven't tried, I'm like, hey, and I'll stab it with a clean fork and say, hey, try it. See if you like it. See that it, man, this is amazing. 
It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who goes to him for safety. Verse 9. You holy people of God have respect for the Lord. For those who respect him have everything they need. And notice that I've got those two words, respect, highlighted. Guess what? It's the same word that Jesus just showed us means worship. So can I say it like this? You holy people of God have worship for the Lord. For those who worship him have everything they need. Can I tell you, there's something that happens just in worship. You can read the Bible all day, and that's wonderful. I just talked about reading the Bible. You need to know the Bible. You can pray all the time, and we talked about that last week, that there's all kinds of prayers and the prayer guide and all that. But there are some things that worship is the only thing that's going to change the atmosphere in your life. See, this doesn't say those who read will have everything they need. It says those who worship him. See, it's all a package deal, and there's all these components, but worship is so important. The title of our message today is, Why Do We Worship? It's 1 Samuel 12, verse 14. It says, if you will, again, switching out that same word, if you will worship, if you'll worship the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. See, this isn't just about you. Looking at the first part that says, if you will worship, if you will. The second part, and serve him and listen to his voice. Hey man, but see their worship isn't just all, all it is all by itself. You've got to still serve him. You still got to listen to his voice when he's like, hey, I don't want you to go over here. See, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. When he does, you don't go, I don't want to do that. Nope, I'm going to ignore that one. No, we need to serve him and listen to his voice. It continues on. Then both you, and look at this, and also the king. We pray all the time for those who rule above us. So we don't have a king, we have a president. And those of you who are watching in other countries, maybe you do have a king. But this is showing us that those who are reigning, those who have authority over us in government, that when you worship the Lord and you serve him and you listen to his voice, you pray and you do all the things that is not only going to change your life, it's also going to change the life of your country. Last part of that. You'll follow the Lord your God. And that's where the secret to your life being full, as John 10.10 10 talks about, life to the max, more than you can even imagine, comes in. John 4 Verse 23, but an hour is coming, Jesus says, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And can I tell you what that word there, worshipers and worship, literally means in the, in the Greek? It literally means kisses. 
When we pray, oftentimes we're, God, I pray you just give us kisses from heaven on this situation, Lord, that you will just, just shower your love to us. I, when I'm texting my wife, there's one emoji that's the little guy smiling and he's got the, the heart and the kisses. And I, I send that to her and I make it bounce all over the whole thing, one of the things on the iPhone. And she says that's her favorite. Every single time I do it, she replies back, oh my gosh, that's my favorite. That's what God does to us. But then worship is us doing it back to him. Saying, God, I just want to throw you kisses. And I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be goofy. But that's awesome. Because God has this great plan for your life. He has this great, awesome, enjoyable life to the abundant we talk about all the time. And when you fall in love with, the God, with God and, and then the relationship that there is with him there, let me tell you, there's going to be a heart of overflowing joy that you want to worship him. And it may be new to you, and you may see some of the worship on the front end of some of our services and go, man, it's really not my kind of music. I really don't get into that. But can I tell you that once you start developing a relationship with God and you start hearing them say, I just want to be where you are, it'll take you back to that time that you were at a bad place and you asked God to come in and he showed up and he changed your life. I have those moments. Many people have those moments and you can have those moments too. As we close, there's a compilation of Jesus where he's talking about being in his father's house and having this relationship with him. And I literally took all the literal meanings of the Greek words out of Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And this is what it says. I must run towards the heavenly divine appointments that my Father has set for me today. You see, in order to run towards something, in order to know what to do, you have to be led by somebody. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He was then doing what God had planned for him. It came from heaven. It wasn't his own will. It was a divine appointment that the Father in heaven had sent for him. And you see Jesus time and again going off by himself to have communion. We see that he worshiped even his Father, God. That should be us today too. Please bow your heads. Let me ask you this. Where do you find yourself today? It would be really hard to give kisses to somebody you don't know. You wouldn't go up to a stranger and just give him a kiss and there would be no love or no compassion coming out of you. There'd be no emotion that would lead you to that when you don't have a clue who they are. But today I wanted, and I'd love to, introduce you to a relationship with a God in heaven who loves you. The same way Jesus heard, this is my son who I love. He wants to say that over you as well. He isn't angry with you. There aren't any lightning bolts that he's going to throw down. He sent Jesus because he loves you. And he accepts you just the way you are. In fact, he's not going to tell you, hey, you've got to change all this to come to me. He accepts you just the way you are.
And the great thing about God is then he will just wrap his arms of love around you and he'll show you things that you can do better to live a better life, the life that he's got planned that is the most amazing thing for you. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've become estranged because of people or circumstance. And you're like, you know, that's not what I've experienced with God. That's not the uh, thing I found to be true with church or with people. I just want to invite you back because I'm sorry for what happened. But God loves you. In fact, I invite you to pray this prayer after me. I'm simply going to help you with the words. Say it like this. Say, hi, Jesus. I want to entrust my life to you today. I want to know you. Today I choose giving up what I'm doing on my own. And I surrender my life to you. Thank you for loving me. Today I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive me for all the times I've missed it. And I receive your life. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time. Maybe they're, they're taking that baby step forward to ask you into their lives. Lord, I also pray for those people who maybe walked away because of bad things that have happened through people or circumstances. Lord, I know that all of heaven, the Bible says, rejoices when one person comes back. I thank you for them. I pray your blessing, Lord, that you would just so encompass their life, and Lord, that they'll feel the arms of love around them right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we closed last week, I told you about a Bible study that Lenore's going to be doing. We showed an excerpt of Joyce Myers that we're going to be doing, The Battlefield of the Mind. And if you didn't watch last week's, I encourage you to go back and watch it because it's really setting the stages for it. If you want to be included in that, then I want to encourage you to text the word study to 469-289-1114. That's our text communication system and we'll put you on a list and make sure you put your email in there so we can be able to communicate with you and we'll send you a link to the Zoom. We're going to do it sometime in August. We don't have the date set back, but you're going to hear me talking about this for the next few weeks. And if you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you to also use our text communication service and text the word CONNECT to the same number to 469 469- 289-1114. And we saw in the very beginning of the scriptures that invite somebody with you. Let your life so change them and invite them to, to go with you and say, hey, let's go worship the Lord together. Invite them to take this journey with us together. We'd love to have you do that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have that is Belong Church. Lord, that you've created an online presence, an online church for those that can't get out, those who aren't able to go to church on Sunday, those who could just get church when it's able to work for them. Lord, that you've given us this great privilege and honor. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who's paid their tithes and their offering this week. And Lord, the ones who've given to us, Lord, and the ones who have sowed into this ministry, and Lord, in their time and their efforts, Lord, and the ones who have communicated what you're doing in their lives. We just speak a blessing over all of them in Jesus' name. 
Stay tuned for the end coming up right now for ways you can connect and give.